0: At A-Plan Rural, we can offer insurance tailored to the rural, personal and commercial requirements of the farming community. A-Plan Rural, taking care of your farm. Authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian business reporter Alex Black. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform. This week we're catching up with Lee Weston, aka Hilltop Farm Girl. Her passion and enthusiasm for the environment has seen her gather a huge social media following, chronicling her life on the farm. And her family's farming business is going from strength to strength by working alongside nature. She's been telling Features editor Emily Ashworth about her farming journey from the hustle and bustle of city life to the calm and quiet of the Yorkshire Dales.
1: So, are you, are you from a farming background then, originally? Um, no, not
2: at
1: all. No? Not at all. So, tell me, the, tell me a bit about the story behind, obviously, from, from growing up in Newcastle to, to where you are now, if, if, if that's OK.
2: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, basically, I met Neil nearly 20 years ago. Um, And I'd never really had anything to do with farming. I'd never had any, um, I guess, reason to be involved in farming at all. I was real. I grew up in a place called Wall's End, which is um, where the Roman Wall ends. That's what it's famous for. And it's famous for shipbuilding and coal mining as well. It's a real kind of industrial
1: and
2: working class town. And, yeah, I met Neil. And, you know, it was obviously such a cultural difference between the two and, and I was a real sort of Geordie out of the town um, all the usual things and yeah I met Neil and it was obviously a very big change very big cultural difference um, very different life it coincided with me moving away from Newcastle for work um, so yeah it was just a big change um, a real education you might say
1: so what, what were you doing job-wise at the time?
2: So my degree is in historic building conservation. Oh, okay. So I've worked with um, as a conservation officer. Um, my last job was at, um, in York, York City Council, um, dealing with a lot of their historic buildings, listed buildings, buildings and conservation areas, basically yep. a historic environment. So yeah. All about conservation of historic buildings. So yeah, that, that's what my degree's in. And, yeah, um, that's what I know about. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and now, I'm, now I suppose it's turned into nature conservation as well. You know, but it's the same sort of principles, really.
1: I was going to say it kind of marries quite nicely, that doesn't it? To be honest. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it is the same. It is the same. All the same principles. You know, if we decide something that is worth conserving and has importance cultural importance then how do we achieve the conservation or preservation preservation isn't a great word because it's like holding something in a, in a place whereas in conservation we accept that things change and there's possibly a man- management of that change but um yeah it's about deciding that things are worthwhile and that they have significance within the area or in their own right or whatever it happens to be and then we look for ways um to, I guess, record that importance and then decide how we protect and um, move forward. And I don't I don't really work with historic buildings much now because I suppose I'm very busy here. Um, we have um, holiday accommodation on the farm that Neil's mum and dad started years ago, so I manage that now. Um, our building is listed, so yeah. that doesn't you know for me that's all bread and butter stuff really so I deal with any of that sort of stuff if we want to do anything or but yeah I still love buildings yeah and, you know they very much part of what I am and who I am and what I do and I think when our daughter's a bit older I would like to do some more yeah. building conservation work again but for now yeah. I've got enough to do
1: yeah understood <laughs> <laughs>
2: So is it full, it's just
1: checking full time on the farm and the accommodation, etc. now?
2: No, I, so I, don't, I don't do loads on the farm. I do sort of small bits and pieces, um, things that need doing, like, for example, we have got a couple of calves at the minute, yeah. I look after them. I might do some stuff that's close by, you know, that's nearer the house where I can just go out and help out. But I tend not to spend my days um, out farming with Neil because there's just another business to run really and it it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily work um, time-wise school-wise all of those things Um, and i think fundamentally what we've tried to do is make the farm over the last 10 years the farm has become something that works much better for us in terms of our time and the labor we put into it um we have a very low input system yeah animals outside outwintered um and a few less of them so it's a case of going around them we're not feeding them anymore we're not doing loads of stuff we, we might give them hay we'll be giving them a little bit of hay at the minute as the weather's just turned a little bit but it's yeah. not that routine fill and feed yeah like yeah yeah bats, throwing a few bales out um and it really sort of works better for us in that Neil can handle that uh he may need a little bit of help every now and again but um, if we're moving things or but on the whole we have quite defined roles in that sense. So yeah, I've got a couple of belted calves that I look after at the minute, um, who are just coming up to sort of five or six months old. So um, yeah. they they feed in. Uh, but apart from that I'm kind of more based social media, holiday accommodation, um all those things that need doing and also I guess all the family stuff that needs doing the life admin yeah
1: Um, that never stops does it
2: (laughs) No, you know uh, know, i don't i don't want to be a fraud about that really but i think within farm and you know households
0: you know not everybody's out
2: on the farm all the time and there's still all the other life stuff that goes on needs doing and i'm the person that does the majority of that really
1: so just tell me a little bit about the holiday accommodation
2: yeah we've got so we've got a holiday cottage and that sleeps five and then we've got group accommodation um it sleeps 32
1: oh yeah it's the bunk barn isn't it yeah yeah yeah
2: so we've got um bunk barn and then our cottage which sleeps five
1: yeah okay um have you seen i mean you've obviously got a, a good business anyway but have you seen a change in business since the pandemic
2: busy but i think anybody with holiday accommodation has been busy mm. i expected it to drop off a little bit after yeah. october half there. yeah um, and it hasn't really it hasn't yeah. really gone away like i've got guests arriving today i've got guests arriving on friday okay um it's it's calmed down a little bit it's not like back to back the whole time but probably we've been busier than we ever have been yeah to say it's winter um i think we've been busier than I've ever known it in the last sort of 10 years that I've been running things so yeah I think post-pandemic I think it is still there's still a commitment from people to want to get away but they're not yet going back to going abroad quite yet Um, I think they're quite happy to go out into the countryside and sit in front of a wood burner and pop down to the pub
1: absolutely Um, yeah I mean, so I, I guess I was, I think, you know, do you think that there's a, a renewed interest in the British countryside?
2: I don't know whether I can say that per se, but I just think that, I think the lockdowns really forced people into going to places that they would possibly never been to before, and yeah. I think Malham had loads of people who'd never been before, um, so I think that's something that happened and just the fact that they couldn't go abroad made them go to the british coast yeah i think the coast was very well attended possibly even more than say places like us and we were busy um but i think it's just reminded people possibly that it's there and it's really nice um and it's available um so i think i think that The time will tell when things really do open up again. Yeah, yeah. In earnest, going abroad sometimes is cheaper. So I think that'll be the true test of it. Um, But I think at the moment, there just still seems to be like, I've got quite a few bookings for January, which isn't normal for us. I usually close close and get loads of work done and, you know, do refurbishments and um, extra housekeeping and things like that. But at the minute, the cottage especially is busy, really. That's good. Yeah, it is. It's really good. So, um, and yeah, I love it. I, I love the UK, and, and I just think it's underexplored, really. Yeah. But I mean, pre COVID, we had quite a lot of people coming from Europe.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: and even US and Canada.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah.
2: Um, Opened that up massively for us, and we get we had lots of guests pre-COVID who were coming from the states and uh Canada, Australia, Belgium, Germany.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the beauty of it, isn't you know? Isn't it social media? It's it's. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember what it was like know, before. I yeah. I can't. It, so yeah,
2: really it really was quite. Instagram, especially, I think people really the visual nature. of it, People really latched onto the landscape. Yeah. Um, I suppose the farming we do is quite natural, and it's very landscape based. Um, it's about the animals and the geology, the history, the um, the visual of the landscape. It's, it, we're very lucky. It's so beautiful and. I think people really see that and buy into it and think, yeah. oh, maybe the Yorkshire Dales is somewhere I would like to go. Um, and I think a lot of people pre-Instagram had heard, you know, cause particularly from North America, they knew the Lake District. It was so famous because of Beatrix Potter and it's yeah. it it's so astoundingly beautiful and, um London and York and Edinburgh, but they didn't necessarily know places like the Yorkshire Dales, and I think that, uh, like, the National Parks Instagram went absolutely stratospheric during lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I think people really thought, wow, this place, it was probably the same in the Peak District, you know, yeah. just these, these national parks and places on the doorstep, practically, that are largely undiscovered for people, so...
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So I, I hope that stays in people's minds a little bit, that, you know, when things do eventually calm down, but uh, there's a
1: lot of a lot to see and do okay if we could just talk about because I do want to get onto the social media side of things in a minute but can we just talk about the farm and the workings of yeah. that and how, how many acres have you got there
2: uh, we've got about 1100
1: and is just to confirm is that uh like a is that historic on Neil's side
2: it's it's a mixture of land that is owned by Neil's, Neil's family, then also we rent land from the National Trust, and then we have two private landlords as well. So it's a real mixture of land that is rented uh, and owned.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: So it's not it's not a family farm that was sort of said here you go. Yeah. It's been a real right. There's a, there's some land in Malham. We're very lucky. Um, but, you know, let's try and do more. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's other landlords involved as well.
1: And if you could just tell me briefly what what you're in livestock-wise.
2: Uh, so we have, at the moment, we have about 170 cows. So, belted galloways and riggets. majority of belties have just got a small herd of riggets that we started about three years ago. And then we have a small flock now of swaledales sheep, yeah which are at about um, ninety hundred. 100 and then we have a small flock of uh Dale, rare breed pedigree wednesdaydales so we have a white flock and we have a black a colored I don't call them black actually they're colored a colored flock yeah um, i don't call them black because there's so many color variations in them you know, they run probably four or five colours within that yeah. column and coloured, so yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, of which their fleece is a massive thing. Um, the fleece is really important to us, which I know books that trend a little bit on fleece, but they're a really, really good fleece, and um, we have people who like to buy them, so.
1: Okay. So, you, do you do anything with those fleeces yourself, or is it purely just the selling of the, um, of the fleece? Yeah.
2: No, we sell them to people who, we sell them as raw fleece to people who um, have their own businesses, um, creating whatever it may be. It might be knitting yarn, it might be clothing, it might be blankets. Um, We supply at least three different people. And I, to be honest, at the minute we don't have the time to put in the research and development Mm. to do that because it's not, it's not I have a little bit of an arts background but I don't have the expertise and well I don't have enough knowledge that I could start something and take yeah. the time to learn as I go. So at the minute it's better for us to sell to people who can who value it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was about to say you've got your own little market, haven't you there?
2: Yeah. the value it you know, they value the product and they value it financially enough for us for it to be worthwhile for us.
1: Yeah, and definitely.
2: I also think it supports their business and part of the rural economy. And I think that's where we need to be aiming with, with wool and fleece, you know, with fleece again. And um, that's something that has worked for us for the last 10 years. And yeah, you know, really value the people who we work with on that, who we sell to, so...
1: Um, and where do you sell the, the livestock into? Is it through markets so, or...?
2: no not really so we we sell most of our breeding stock privately yeah Uh, and then um bullocks wise we have sold into sort of butchers before wholesale butchery. um but what we've done recently is we've just been boxing them ourselves um, and trialing that just to see how it goes really
1: um is it how's it going
2: yeah, it's yeah. gone well really, and I think that's, it's, we're fairly new to that really, but I think it's something that we'd like to do more of, um, it's some, we need to just have a think about that and how we take that forward, but I think, um, yeah again, social media is being very good with that, and
1: helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels like that would work as part of what you yeah. do and, and your story, and obviously like you I say, think- you've got a good following.
2: Yeah, and I think because we're organic, yeah, uh, and, um, soil association organic, and then we're also pasture for life. Um, approved suppliers, so it's all it's all our pasture. So I think you know we have the story.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah,
2: yeah it's it. You know, there's it's It's like everything else. There's not you can't do it and not put the work into it and make yeah. it right. So I think that's, you know, we, we've trialed a few animals and and I think taking it forward, it's just taking on that and the things you learn along the way. Yeah. And making yeah. it a better system, making it a better process and making it as good as it possibly can be for the customers. Um, but it was a big leap faith, so, oh, we're just going to have to try this and see how it goes and do some for ourselves, yeah. basically. In what we think and so that's probably our next venture really to move that forward
1: okay and do you think that i mean obviously it's quite it's an exciting time i think to be in the industry i,
2: I think it's really exciting
1: well this is this this is a point i'm about to make really it's like um i mean change is up you know change is is always scary and it, that that's fine yeah, it is. um but it is time to you know put your best foot forward and look at what incentives are going to work for you and how you know you can you can move forwards um do you think like you know on the flip side of that there's a there's a change in how we're perceived as an industry I'm just yeah. thinking you know with your with the meat boxes and things like that there was obviously a big uptake in in lockdown etc
2: yeah, and I know lots of farmers, we didn't actually do any in the big lockdown, but I know lots of farmers who did, and all via Instagram. I know, yeah. you know uh, I lots of farms I'm friends with on Instagram, they were doing it. And I think I think there's two things about social, social media. I think farming pre-social media, for me, felt like quite an isolated. yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's very strong within communities, farming, and, you know, people really help each other out. And I think that's a huge, huge kind of positive about farming, Mm -hmm. um, the strength in it. But I think it it can be isolated in some ways. And I think for the public, there was no real interaction between people who came to the countryside and saw land. And there was no real relationship there with people who worked on the land and produced food. And I think Instagram has been pivotal in changing that. And pivotal in farmers being able to say, this is what we do. This may not be what everyone does. Somebody else might do it differently, but this is what we do. And that you can find lots of things out now about how food is produced, if you want to know. And I think there are people who want to know. And I think that information being out there has possibly been making people think a little bit more about people who care about where how where the food's produced and the impact of that which is, has far-reaching consequences as we know environmentally for nature climate but then also culturally you know yeah. there's a lot of farming in the uplands i can only speak for the uplands because it's the only bit of it i know really but yeah you know they, there are consequences all over mm. yeah. and change is going to change that to some degree and um but I think social media has been absolutely pivotal in farmers being yeah. able to contact the outside world and speak, and the outside world being able to speak to farmers, and that it's no longer seems a closed shop, which I think it sometimes possibly did seem. Definitely. So yeah, no, I, I just think it's great. It's great. And then if you want to direct sell, you can direct sell. I don't think we could ever, ever dreamed of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and
2: like in terms of people who buy our fleece, one of them was pre-social media, really, but the other two have completely come about because of Instagram. Yeah. So, and it works; it does work both ways because I've met so many nice people and interesting people via Instagram. People who've come to stay in the cottage because of Instagram. Met yeah. From all over the world, people who follow, who are just really generous. And uh, people who have been put in touch with, with I say research work, uh, people who, I don't know, just loads and loads of generosity, um, uh, sharing our story, yeah, to, you know, just all those, just, just loads and loads of generosity in it. I think as
1: well in terms of you know making that connection that like you're saying, you know, we 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 do struggle to get our our points across and you know why we do things or you know etc but I think as well in terms of um like hill farming it can only be a positive to be able to speak about you know the hows and the whys and yeah definitely and I actually think
2: to some degree it makes you question yourself a little bit Mm, yeah yeah when you say these things and you think oh you know how how can I explain that why do we do that? And it, you know, it really makes you think about what you do and, and consider it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It sort of blows my mind really over the years about how how good a thing it's it's been and how it's. Um, I don't know whether I could say it's influenced our farming, but I think I'm very mindful about. Um, more when i'm out when you're on the farm you see things and i think this certainly applies to all the nature recovery stuff we do in na- it you know the nature work we do and the conservation grazing and that you see stuff and you want to share it and
1: yeah
2: flowers species birds insects whatever it happens to be meadows the hay meadow work we do and you just think it really spurs you on to to share, share the story, I guess, of that. Oh, yeah. and maybe it makes you notice more what's happening. Yeah. I don't know, because, because you know other
1: people are interested in it. So let's talk about the passion you, Neil, have for the environment. Because that's obviously a huge part of how you farm and, and a huge part of the reason why you have such a big following.
2: It's like now pretty much what leads the farming really and yeah it's 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 what's behind all the farming as well now and it's become such a big part of the farming of the business that it, like i couldn't not talk about it but i think it's become mainstream conversation now yeah. Brexit in a way which it just wasn't before um
1: Do you know what? I just never thought that I would just really love talking about soil. (laughs) And how many other people love talking about soil.
2: (laughs) And that's a conversation, I think, that's only been over the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And, like, because we've been pasture for life for a long time and organic, I mean, we've only been certified, I think, for two years. Yeah. But prior to that, we were farming, basically, to organic standards without being certified. Yeah, 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 yeah. And made the decision to become certified. But, you know, like for, for us, the farm's been changing over 20 years since we basically got outwintered Belted Galloways. And yeah that really provoked us to think about how we were farming and why we were farming this way with cows and why we were farming this way with sheep. And it, it drastically changed everything for us. And I think since that point in time, you know, the farm and the land has been loads loads better off The nature has opportunities now that it didn't have before uh, to thrive yeah. on our land yeah. the soil is better off uh, we can allow things to grow long we've got more resilience if we have a bad weather if we, like in 2018 when there was a really bad drought because we have low stocking levels we're never worried about the grass and because it was long it just had so much resilience in it yeah um, and really big roots big rock long, long root systems yeah um, it wasn't short to the ground and of burning off it just everything was just fine and it just ticked over and um and the same in winter now because because we're not hugely densely stocked, we've got rooms to move animals around so there's not a huge burden on the land. Yeah. We can bring things down. We're not having to feed if we don't absolutely have to, if it's not a huge covering of snow. You know, belties can easily forage through the snow and get through. Yeah. So it's it's about having the right stock. I've gone off course a little bit from your question, but it's about no, no. us having native breed animals which are the right breed for our farm at the right stocking levels for both the business and for the land. We can now rotate between pastures, allow flowers to to flower in summer and seed. You know, we can really make, dare I use the word holistic, we can just make decisions about what's right at that particular moment in time. And because every year is different because of the weather, we can make those decisions as we go. There's no, and that's what I go back to it being exciting. That's what mm-hmm. I find exciting now, that there's no set kind yeah. of parameter, that yeah. this is what our farm is, and maybe it'll be different again. You know, we'll see where things go, but where obviously we've been high-level stewardship, we're in countryside stewardship, and those, those schemes have worked for us, and I know they're not perfect. And I'd, again, be the first to admit they're not perfect. But they really challenged us, our mindset. Yeah. They yeah. We got the belt. They really challenged our mindset as to what was achievable and how this way of low input farming, our wintering, was great. And we're on limestone. We're very lucky. It drains. But that maybe the right cows in the right location at the right stock intensity, it was all going to be all right. And that was a learning curve for us. Yeah. But 18 years on. You know, it's that's what our business model is now based on really. I actually think now, you know, we've got to a place where I'm very happy with where we've arrived at from fitting loads and loads and loads of bags of cake twenty years ago. Yeah. To now being completely pasture for life, organic and caring for nature and the environment and the climate and I don't think we're perfect. I don't think we're the finished article. I don't know whether we ever will be. But we'll keep moving forward with those things at the heart of the farm. Um, we did have a carbon audit, audit done, you know, where carbon now carbon I don't know whether the words carbon negative or yeah. where we're actually sequestering carbon. Yeah. I think all yeah. of that is is a real great thing and, and to have baseline statistics on your farm to have information about species baseline stuff and that's something we've started doing now to have figures about what's living on the farm yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: how much of there is it yeah can we monitor that going forward can yeah. we get the results can we change things um, it keeps giving
1: you a reason to move forward with it doesn't it because you can see those yeah. results you can see what you're giving back from what you're putting in I think and it's like a whole circular movement isn't it
2: it is yeah and I think it's really it's really um what's the word it's really tempting to think that this type of farming isn't profitable yeah because like we had loads of turnover in sheep but we made hardly any money and and that might be to do with it being a hill farm you know, I, but all we know is since we reduce the sheep numbers down to something that is within natural processes and we can carry over winter without supplementary feeding, we are more profitable and both sheep and cattle enterprises are profitable. Now, it, I wouldn't want to say at the moment that we would want to be without countryside stewardship or environmental support yeah 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 but hopefully elms is you know the future i don't think we've really seen what it's fully about yet yeah yeah but the farming enterprises are profitable in their own right
1: yeah yeah
2: and, and i see the environmental stewardship stuff as our own form of diversification yeah yeah and it can provide if we can provide those things in the you know if we can provide nature recovery and we can provide climate recovery and be supported for that, then that's surely a good thing. You know, I, I at the moment, I don't see that animals. I, I, there's a great trade at the minute. You know, it's fantastic. And we all know that that can be volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what has allowed is what, what having less animals, and having this system is allowed to do because it's low input. We're not absolutely tied to the farm anymore. Yeah. Um and Neil does bits of other work, he's involved in other things as well, and it has freed up that time. Yeah. Um to do other things yeah. and have a slightly different, more rounded life, I guess. Um, maybe that's not for everyone, but it's, you know, something for us that we enjoy. So
1: yeah. just to go back to the beginning. Yeah. So obviously you're not from farming. What no. what did you what did you think when you first obviously <laughs> stepped into all this? Uh,
2: I just thought it was I suppose it coincided with the start of a new relationship. So there was a certain amount of romance about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hills, beauty, lovely hill sheep, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was you know, was sort of it
1: sunny?
2: <laughs> yeah, lots of nice spring days and all sorts of things. And I was such a Geordie, you know, I was a real Geordie girl and out on the town, high heels, no cold, boob tubes, yeah. all of that. But I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was very interestingly, interesting from a culture point of view, and I suppose academically that's something that I'd studied with historic buildings because they're about social culture and buildings are very very telling Mm. uh, about how society lives and what they do and the things they create and for me farming was exactly the same and I just remember asking a lot of questions and sometimes it didn't make sense to us to be honest yeah in the early days yeah Um, and I think I I, I was very questioning of a lot of the things, uh, and I think for us, going down, for me personally, going down the nature route was something that I was very keen on and very sort of interested in. Um, I saw so much value in the landscape, in the dry stone walls, in the historic buildings, in the barns, um, and I was really, really keen about the landscape value stuff and the nature value stuff and and I, I'm not saying I can't take all the credit for that, but that was certainly something where I was really, really pleased. Yeah. To be oh, able yeah, that yeah. that was the outcomes of us changing mindset. And I suppose because I'm not from a farming background, I didn't have any kind of preconceived yeah. ideas about what a farm should be. I was probably in lots of ways maybe encouraging change
1: yeah
2: yeah um and back nail on the changes that he felt we could make i was yeah very very keen and it was a very organic process you know it wasn't like this is our farm we want to be that farm it was like let's something has to change yeah but making any money out of sheep is you know we're seeing massive results on the hills with the cattle conservation wise we're getting all these amazing flowers all this amazing habitat what should we do mm-hmm. and it was like let's sell a few see what happens let's sell a few see what happens let's see what happens financially and it was a really organic process yeah. But i was really really keen um, and really supportive of change and it
1: worked
2: yeah <laughs> the other thing i have to say though that i did think From a community and social perspective, I just thought it was great and I just thought people were so nice and people were so welcoming and people were so kind of helpful and it seemed to like really, I don't know, just look out for each other and and if somebody had, you know, like a nightmare with something, somebody would come and help them and then you would go and help someone in their turn. And I think, like when we had our daughter, for example, people used to come and just leave food on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And they knew you'd be flat out busy, and they knew that maybe Neil would be on the farm and I would be on the other. They'd just leave some food, or, you know, and I just think there's such a willingness to help, and that, that there's so much strength in that social sort of community, really. And a lot of it is about village communities, because I think a lot of village life is like that. Um, but the willingness just to help each other out, uh, it's really nice.
1: And what is it that you love about where, where you live?
2: Uh, I love the uh, landscape. I love the, yeah, the dry stone walls, the barns, the, just the dales kind of landscape. I love how the weather changes everything. Yeah, The weather is almost part, becomes part of who you are, the landscape. You know, to say I'm from the northeast and I still very much culturally identify with Walls End and Newcastle, and the Dales is, like, encapsulates, like, the history in it. Yeah. And it's almost like you can't put into words the, the geology, the history, the people, the animals, you know, the, the landscape. It just It just all becomes one and it's like... It just becomes like this huge thing in your life. It's really hard to explain it. I'm not explaining it well, but it just is the backdrop to, you, to everything you do. Yeah. And it, it's just so, I love that about how big it is, how big the landscape is and how it permeates your life in every possible way. It's, it's just amazing. It's just scale. Um, and obviously just the, the privilege of living somewhere so beautiful. Being able to have open space to walk to. Um, being in Malham, near Mount Cove, and Gordil Scar. Just unreal, really. It's just so different to come from a town like Wall's End. And yeah. Live in Newcastle, which is so famous for its industry, and and just come somewhere like this. Yes, yeah. It's just, like, amazing. And, and, like, don't get us wrong, I, I like industry in a very unique beautiful way um but this is i suppose this is beauty in a very conventional sense yeah 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 like people come and they're just like what yeah <laughs> and you know to live somewhere where other people think yeah it's like, wow yeah it's a real privilege i think yeah um so i love that but i also love people and i love we've got great neighbors you know neil's family are nearby um it's got lots of you know extended family in the village um it's a very sociable place we have good pubs and people see each other in the pubs and you will always know someone
1: yeah i love that yeah i literally you love know, you that can go back yes. you can
2: go out on yeah 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 your own you'd see someone you knew and that's really nice uh but then we've got um yeah, it's just. But then I also really love. And this might come as a surprise. I really like that we have visitors. I really like the tourists. I really like the fact that people come, and you might. I meet so many people when I'm out farming. You know, just walking or looking at stuff, and you just you just meet people from all over the place. Yeah. Like I was, I was planting some seeds in one of our meadows recently and everybody stopped to ask us what i was doing yeah and yeah yeah there was some cows some of our cows were grazing and they we were saying oh then your cows and they were asking about cows and they were asking about what i was planting and i was telling them this is what you know we planned for the next 10 years and they were all just dead nice and dead interested and i just like meeting people from other places as well that's really nice thing about Mallon that It attracts people, and that can obviously have its challenges and difficulties in terms of parking and behaviour, but uh, on the whole, it, it brings vibrancy to the village. Yeah.
0: Thank you to Lee and to Emily. Well, that's it for this week. If you're not already, you can follow Hilltop Farm Girl on social media to find out more about her farm and her life. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday, but until then, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.